Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake, still the craziness of the Big Ten. Um, yesterday, I just can't get over Northwestern Rutgers, the final game of the Big Ten regular season last night, and it was the difference for Northwestern between being the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament, which just saying that out loud, I feel like I'm that doesn't make sense. Northwestern two-seed in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they were, were that with a win, and with a loss, they would have been the nine-seed. Nine-seed. They beat Rutgers, so they win. So the team that was picked to finish 13th in the conference is the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament coming up. This week in now, Chicago. Rutgers faces who in the Big Ten tournament opening round? Is it, it's Rutgers-Michigan, right? In the 8-9, Correct. the winner gets and Purdue. Doesn't that feel like... To me, it feels like that Rutgers-Michigan game is a tournament play-in game. Am I off base there? No, I, I, I mean, I'd have to look a little closer at it just to be sure, but uh, based off what I you know, can think about their bubble statuses lately... Um, I I think that that's probably accurate, and you know you could probably make the argument certainly of you might need one more. I mean, honestly, that eight nine matchup is eerily similar to Indiana last year when they faced Michigan in that first game. It was kind of one of those can't lose games. You can't lose it, and Indiana had that big comeback, and then they beat Michigan, and or excuse me, they beat Illinois then in the second round when Curbelo missed that layup late, and then you see Indiana gets slotted into the play-in game last year, and you think back and you think, wow, if Indiana would have lost to Illinois, would they have been out? And is that how Michigan and Rutgers views it to where not only do they need to win this game, but then would they need to win over Purdue in the quarterfinal to really cement the resume? Right now, Joe Lenardi, and I, and I realize, folks, I get it. When you're like, why are you... But Lenardi, I think... I don't know if he's fed, but he's usually pretty off. I mean, his seedings might be a little off, but usually of the 68 teams, he's got like 67, correct? So it's a pretty good barometer. Right now he has, as the last four buys, so that means the last four that are, you know, like 11 seeds, he has Rutgers in as a last four buy. He has Michigan as fifth out. So one would think. So they need a lot. But one would think that Michigan beating Rutgers, who he has in the field right now, would help them. Now, Mich- So maybe Michigan needs two more wins and Rutgers just needs the one to cement themselves. And Purdue will play the winner of that game on Friday. Indiana's the three seed. That's a 9 o'clock tip uh, approximately coming up on Friday. Maryland is the six. So basically how it'll work for IU is Nebraska-Minnesota will play Wednesday. The winner of that will play Maryland on Thursday. The winner of that gets Indiana. So Indiana will either play Maryland, Nebraska, or Minnesota. Jake, we talked about this at the start of the show. To me, it's not even close. Indiana got the much better draw than Purdue. Agreed. That's hard to argue because Purdue has physical play awaiting them right out of the box, it feels like. And... Well, you know, Indiana's- it's funny because we think about Northwestern. You're like Indiana get Northwestern. That's getting like wait, but they swept them, right? But again, Maryland away from home has just been such a just a just a totally different team than they are 
at home. They're not necessarily playing for the NCAA tournament lives either compared to what you're going to get with potentially Michigan or Rutgers. You imagine telling a Big Ten fan at the start of the year, Jake, yeah, when the Big Ten tournament comes around, uh, Northwestern's going to be the two seed, and Ohio State and Wisconsin are going to play on the opening night of the Big Ten yeah. tournament. Or when the NCAA tournament's going to come around, Wisconsin's going to be the last buy-in, and Purdue's going to be hoping for a one seed. What? Purdue, by the way, off the one seed line now. Kansas, Alabama, UCLA, and Houston. The four number ones as it stands projected, I should say, right now. Uh, Purdue would be a two I would think probably the the most solid two or the the one two that's in play for a one. The other twos would be Baylor, Texas, and Arizona. So those Big Twelve and Pac twelve tournaments. Those are probably the two to watch if you're a Purdue fan and wanting Kansas and or UCLA to lose. Of course, there is that debate, Jake. Of you know, do you want to be the fourth number one seed and possibly be shipped out to Las Vegas? And then you get like a UCLA as the two or the or Arizona as a two. Would you rather be that or would you rather be the top two seed and play a little bit closer to home? That's always a good question, yeah. I mean, you know that... How big of a difference is the one versus the two? You mean in the NCAA tournament? Right. Probably dependent to your point upon who the opponent is and where you're seated, right? I mean, if you're the two... If you're a two and you are placed in, to your point, like I don't in Houston's region, I didn't catch it, but yeah, that's different than if you're the two and you got to go play Kansas, and Kansas's region is in Kansas City. It just depends on where you are, I think, largely. Although I don't know that I'd want to be the one with Baylor as my number two. Are you guys coming over tomorrow night for Notre Dame? Five games and five nights to win the ACC tournament. Oh, really? A busy, busy <laughs> week at your house. Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> I wish. I thought they got a pretty good draw. Can you I, like live stream that? All five nights? Yeah. Yeah. You just you watching the game? I would like to watch Kevin Bowen watching Notre Dame. Not a good performance. Are for you the literally Irish okay, this let me, weekend? Let me ask against you, Kevin, Clemson. Which are you more passionate about, Notre Dame football or basketball? Basketball. So foot, Notre Dame football to you is just the caveat to carry you to basketball season. Yeah, I mean that 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 sounds like I'm treating it, you know, treating it very poorly. I I, I still have a, a heavy amount of fandom, uh, borderline probably psycho nature for Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame basketball takes the cake. You are a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nerd! So yeah, you guys for some reason have not come over and watched a single game this season, but you, you know. keep giving the wrong, giving me the wrong directions. You know, if I, I know you're busy tonight, Mark, over there yep. inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, uh, watching the Pacers and the Sixers. But uh, if you want to swing by, you know, I'll bring some graders or something. Have something on the Tuesday. Oh, it's right there, 56 in yeah. Illinois. Uh, have something on the Tuesday calendar. You can do that. I am looking forward tonight, Joel Embiid and Miles Turner. We have not gotten that this year when the Sixers and the Pacers have faced off. Um, that's been fairly one-sided. It, it's been fairly one-sided. Would be yeah, uh huh. That'd be like Notre Dame basketball this year, just on the reverse of it. But Joel Embiid is just such a unicorn, man. I mean, oh, he's the guy is he is. He had like ten assists the other night when they when they beat the Bucks. So uh, Turner is playing probably the best basketball of his career. That's got to be one that he circles, thinks about a whole lot. Well, Turner's got to hope that his 
kind of open open floor spacing that can happen with Halliburton can catch Embiid in bad defensive positions. But because if when he has tried to you know kind of play on the block, forget about it. Forget yeah, about it. And certainly Embiid, it's not just a one man job, but. You know, Turner would be a huge, huge part of that game plan. So, again, the Pacers back at home tonight. They've got the Rockets on Thursday. So, you guys are saying that Thursday night is when is when the party occurs for me. I mean, they're playing the Rockets. I would surely hope so. You can probably get some yeah, good drink specials around town on a Thursday night, right? Probably. <laughs> Celebrate well, you, that? I th- you're, you're the one buying the drinks, right? Mm-hmm. With your big windfall? Oh, yeah. What if yeah. we found out that actually he wins like $12? <laughs> Right. He's told me what it was, so I know it's a little more the, than that. The, there's been some times during the season that I thought, boy, am I going to have to cash this out and try and hope to get $12? Have you been offered the cash out option? I got to, you know what? I, I got to I gotta open the, up the old what app. You accidentally push cash out right now. Mark, don't even joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a draft related question for, for Mark when we come back related to the bull, or, uh, related to the Bears, not the Bulls. Is it about draft beer? Uh, well, I could help out with that. I, I, guess, I guess it could be a little bit about that. Uh, we'll do that next. Bob Kravitz joins us here in 15. 8 o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hour underway. Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Good-looking start to the day, as a matter of fact. Sun's starting to rise a little bit earlier, which is, you know, that happens every year this time of year. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline is Joel A. Erickson, who joins us from the Indianapolis Star, fresh off the NFL Combine. Joel, I'm going to begin by asking this. The quarterbacks, the last time that we did this show was the day that the quarterbacks were getting ready to not only talk to the media, but throw obviously Anthony Richardson from a physical standpoint had like a DK Metcalf type performance where everybody's like wow this guy's in unbelievable shape did the quarterback presentations cloud things for the Colts or do you think start to make things much more clear for them in terms of what avenue they may be thinking so what I keep thinking after hearing Shane Steichen talk last week is that the, the most important stuff that the Colts are going to learn and the stuff that maybe sways him, make, gives him a leader in the clubhouse, is stuff that we can't see, which, I mean, that's not, that's not great. We'd love, to, we'd love to be able to read it and, and do something and kind of go off the workouts. But Steichen kept talking about how he wants the quarterback to have, have this obsessiveness about his crap, this, this obsession where he's, He's just desperate to get better, and he's always in the office working. And he didn't just say it in his press conference with us. I went to uh, Sun King Brewery uh, on uh, on Friday night to a Peter King event where Steichen was talking just briefly, and it came up twice again there. And I think that uh, that's that's probably the, the this quarterback thing has sort of entered uh, to borrow a phrase from somebody I saw on Twitter, the dark side of the moon here, where. The Colts are, are doing stuff interview-wise, and they will be doing stuff interview-wise and talking to people over the next couple of months. And it's going to be really hard for us to put our fingers on that. And that might end up being the thing that, that ends up pushing somebody way higher on the board than, than we realize. 
I know you wrote about this, so I encourage everyone to head to IndyStar.com uh, if they haven't to read Joel's piece from that Peter King event over at Sun King. I'm going to guess that Shane Steichen, the environment of a brewery, did not really uh, bring out anything else from Shane Steichen. It was probably a lot of all ball <laughs> talk from him. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. It's funny because um, I, I think at that I, I think at that event, King tries to get like a little bit of a personal side of somebody, and you know, he opened it up by asking Steichen about this game where he threw five touchdown passes as a senior kind of coming off the bench and uh, was trying to, I think he was trying to go for like, what, what did it feel like to have that moment when your college career didn't go the way it, you wanted to? And Steichen res- responded with a play call um, and something that they found in, in film and how it, uh, how, how he used it to, to throw one of the touchdown passes. And that's what he remembered. And he kind of did that a couple of different times where he just kept, like, all of a sudden, he'll just he'll just flip right into X's and O's talk. And, and honestly, the rest of it was a lot of the stuff that we heard uh, from the podium uh, in terms of just what, you know, what they're going to do at quarterback, that kind of thing, what his evaluation is. It, was, it wasn't anything new. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, someone said, give me your best Philip Rivers story. And obviously, there's a lot of good football stories with Philip Rivers, but it, Phillip's also a pretty funny and uh, personable guy. And it went right to... Him and him and Rivers arguing about whether or not uh, they could tell if the Steelers were going to blitz based on the stripe of a helmet, and then Rivers being right, but only because he uh, he he'd been able to figure out their their uh, calls at the line and was just you know reading it off of what the linebacker said. I think the thing that's interesting, Joel, about and we've said this a lot. The thing that's interesting about Steichen is that he has background in working with different quarterbacks, right? Different styles, so it looks like you know you're a little bit more safe than somebody who is only used to, to to running one system so to speak but with the different quarterbacks that threw or, or that will throw for them but let's go to the combine itself and, and Kevin feel free to jump in on this because I've always wondered this when the quarterbacks throw at the combine do they select the receivers they're throwing to or is it just uh, no I don't believe they do so the reason I ask is because, you know, it would be advantageous, obviously. Like Richardson, you would imagine there are some receivers from Florida or guys that he is familiar with that he's throwing to. And likewise, you would, for the receivers, I've always wondered this. Are the receivers told or are there different setups that are that – are, in other words, you want to see the quarterback in every single situation, right? So are they ever told like, hey, kind of, you know, underrun this route or whatever else to see how the quarterback adjusts to it? Or is it simply a matter of go out and you guys both do everything perfectly? Well, I think I think it's the second one, but I think what Chris Ballard said, not on the podium, but kind of off the side, he was asked about this the other day, and it's, it's instructive here. It's just he was asked, how much do you pay, pay attention to this stuff? And he said, Let's let's be real. They're throwing on air to a bunch of guys they've never thrown to before. Okay. Yeah, I mean because I think personally that does that is a factor, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, not knowing where a receiver is going to be. I I know I saw one I I know there was a one throw with uh with CJ Stroud where he threw this gorgeous moon ball um deep ball down the field and I I thought the receiver botched it. So it goes as an incompletion for Stroud, but I thought that the receiver just botched the play. Um, and and you right. Know, whereas whereas if he's throwing that to an Ohio State guy, 
that guy has a better understanding of like the. Tr- Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I think that's why yeah, the throwing absolutely. means so little at the combine. Yeah, that's fair. It, it just means so little to. I mean, sure, if the guy's super erratic, then then maybe it would matter. But it, it just, I don't think if you're going to make a pie of like slice it up into what the throwing at the combine means, I'd say it's like 0.5 percent of the profile in these guys. Maybe that's way too low, but that's what I would think. No, I I think I think that that's probably. I think that's probably definitely true. I mean, I think for like a guy like Steichen, who's been, you know, coaching the Eagles and then hiring his staff, I think it's probably he probably wants to see the motion a little bit more because he's not a scout. But if you're Chris Ballard or the guys uh, in the or, or the guys in, in the Colts front office who've been scouted, like they've seen these guys play a bunch of times. You know, it, it's not like. It's not like they they need to see them throw for the first time. They've already seen them play. I, I would guess Ballard has probably seen most of them from the sideline at least once mm-hmm. by yeah. this point. So, so what they do, and this this is the other thing I was thinking about. You know, KB and I are both pretty close training camp watchers. Uh, whenever practice starts up, and we try to take keep track of the quarterbacks. But KB, have you ever have you ever taken notes on the routes on air? No, no, I've not. No, no. Neither have I. No. I don't take notes on the routes on air either. And I was just thinking, if I'm not doing that, I, I wonder if it if it matters that much to NFL teams. Yeah, I think five percent is is probably a good uh, probably a good number, maybe even lower. Uh, Joel A. Erickson from the Star. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Some great coverage from the Combine up on the Indy Star website. Joel, shifting gears just a little bit. Franchise tag deadline tomorrow. Uh, let's start here before I throw a follow up at you. I assume, uh, and I apologize for kind of inserting myself into your brain here, but I assume you don't <laughs> think the Colts will use the franchise tag. No, I don't think so. Um, you know the the they. The the guys that, that might fall into that are guys that you think, you know, like a Bobby Okereke, um is a guy where you already have you have the emergences of your Franklin and and the hopeful return of Shaq Leonard. So it, I don't know that you'd use the, the franchise tag the way other teams if you, need to. If you don't mind, talk us through your thought process in the Okereke free agency and the Yannick Ngakwe free agency. Okay, so with Okereke, I think the one position where it's really hard to have any issues with what Chris Ballard's been able to do in the draft as linebacker. Definitely. Um, you know, Anthony Walker turned into a, a really good player um, despite some physical limitations. Okereke has been really good. Zaire Franklin took a little while and then, you know, had it blew up this season. Obviously there's Leonard. EJ Speed's been, been solid as, as a strong side linebacker. I, if it was me, I would feel like as much as you like what Bobby Okereke can do, I feel like, and you have two starters. You have there. There's only two two. There's only two real starters at linebacker in the NFL anymore, and you're expecting to have two starters. So I, I feel like I can replace some of that depth in the middle round because he's done it over and over again. I just and feel like. With, oh, go ahead, Joel. And then with Ngakwe, he'd have to be he'd have to be pretty cheap for me. I I. I know Ballard said he had a he had a really good year last year. Um, according to uh, Sports Info Solutions, which is the, what I use for pressures and stuff like that, he had eleven fewer pressures than Buckner. Um, I, I didn't, and that, that shouldn't be the case. The edge rusher should have way more than the tackle. Um, so I, it would have to be it would have to be a discount for me. 
It just would. Devil's advocate on Agakwe, and I totally hear consistent pressure was a concern for me with him last year. Fourth quarter pressure was a concern for me as well. He's missed four games in seven NFL seasons. Quiddy Pays missed seven games in two years. Would his durability, his availability matter at all? Well, I think it helps him. I think it helps him, but I just don't know what price point he's going to get because I keep thinking this with like Paris Campbell too. It's not a great free agent list. Um, in fact, it's it's a pretty bad free agent list as far as I can tell uh, at most positions. And I wonder if that drives up prices. You know, Ballard always talks about how um, you know you get you get B players A money in free agency. Based on a lot of the free agent lists I've seen, I, I start. I, I'm wondering if you're getting like C players getting A money this year because people have money to spend and, and want to spend it, and you know, like especially wide receiver is is just barren as far as as far as big time players. I know at defensive end, it's kind of the same way. Like I know Marcus Davenport's in there from the Saints. Marcus Davenport's a really really hard evaluation because when he's on the field, he's he's really good. He's just not on the field very often. Hey, Joel, talk me off this ledge. You ready? Okay. My, my concern for the Colts is this. Their best players, running back, middle linebacker of healthy, uh, second receiver, guard, maybe. Their best players are all guys that are probably right now have taken the first step into their prime, which means okay. you're going to get some good years from them. Don't get me wrong. But the most important position is one that, unless it is a total anomaly, is a minimum of two years from even showing consistent competency and three years from entering their prime, at which point all of the best players for the Colts are going to be now phasing towards their way out. And the timing just doesn't add up. Talk me off that ledge. Um. Well, you might get you you might end up getting some some of that with those guys. Uh, you also sort of have like Philadelphia is probably a good example of with like Quentin Nelson specifically. I've been thinking about this with Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith, who I think are, are the two offensive linemen that you feel like you know not great seasons last year, but you, you, there's reason to believe that they could be closer to their normal selves going forward. I just keep thinking about the Eagles in 2020 and how terrible that line was. And, you know, they, they had Jalen Hurts that year, so um, they had Jalen Hurts that year, so it's, it's a not perfect timeline, but, like, they rebuilt the line around those guys and got them to a point where they were still – and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson were kind of older. That was the, that's the, the corollary there. The Kelsey and, and Johnson are kind of the corollaries to Smith and, and Nelson. And those guys were older, and they, they kind of got it around – there's there's a way to, to rebuild the roster. The Eagles are sort of the example after having that horrible season uh, that they had in 2020 that, that you can kind of rebuild the roster and get those guys in there. I, do, do some of those guys maybe not play as big a role? I think that's possible, but if you're aggressive enough, I think you can make up for that. Now, whether or not 
the Colts are going to be aggressive enough. That's another question altogether. And Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, Jake and I were talking a little bit about the coaching staff last segment. It's a very youthful, inexperienced group offensively. It's youthful at special teams coordinator and Brian Mason coming over from Notre Dame. Defensively, it's got much more of a veteran flair to it with Gus Bradley and company. Anybody or any specific trend staff-wise kind of jump jump out at you? The inexperience, what you kind of already hit on. Uh, when I was writing up the Mason thing and kind of looking at some of the backgrounds uh, of some of the guys, you know, there's there's three-ish, I think it's three guys on offense who are who have, who have extensive college backgrounds. You know, the running backs coach, Tom Manning, um, and then I've, and then this is he didn't he's he's been in the NFL, but Tony Sperano Jr. has never been a you know an offensive line position coach. So you're you're asking guys to to take the next step, um, and and some of them might. I mean, you know, the Eagles have a fairly young staff. A lot of their guys are guys who who ended up taking the next staff or the next step under them. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of, of youth on that side of the ball. Um, and it, I think it probably puts uh, some pressure on Shane, a little more pressure on Shane Steichen. There's not, there, I don't know that there's anybody on the, on the, that side of the ball right now that I think, oh, that's that's your guy you um, can lean on. Now, I, I don't know if I was an Eagles writer in, in 2021 when Giuliani hired Steichen. Am I saying the same thing? Uh, maybe. But they had Jeff Stoutland. You know, they had their offensive line coach who's, you know, revered across the NFL. So it's it's – so far, as far as the offensive staff goes, I think they're kind of lacking that like Stoutland type person um, in terms of it, it is it's a younger staff and 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 that's that you know that could be good in terms of innovation. It could it could be bad in terms of an experience. Joel, every year at the Joel A. Erickson is our guest. He's from the Indianapolis Stars on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Every year in any sport, really, whenever you have conventions, the Final Four, the Combine you know, the the winter meetings, all those things, you kind of start to get a sense of the, the percolation of new trends or things that were the, the talk of the combine, the talk of the winter meetings. What were they for this one, if anything? Well, um, the presence of – this this doesn't really touch on the Colts, but I think the presence of Derek Carr there um, – ended up dominating it in ways that, and, and the fact that he's already a, a free agent and, and teams could talk about him, you know, there were some, some, there were three different teams that ended up doing a significant portion of their media availabilities talking about a, a free agent, which doesn't usually happen. That was different. And then I thought about this and I wrote about this when I wrote about CJ Stroud, but I, I, I always sort of push back a little bit when people say, well, it's the, this, this shift towards mobility is new and, We've never seen it before, and I'm like, I mean, they've always. I always kind of want to be like, well, there's been mobile quarterbacks, you know, going all the way back to Brand Tarkenton and Randall Cunningham and Steve Young and all those guys. But I thought the thing that struck me with Stroud's interview was that this might be the first time I can ever remember going to a quarterback interview at the combine, and somebody suggests and several suggestions, several questions suggesting that being a pocket passer is a bad thing. And I thought that that was maybe, maybe sort of a, a sign that it's turned over or it's not just that there are mobile quarterbacks in the league, but like the, you, you never used to hear that. You never used to hear, 
well, this guy's a pocket passer. Uh, that might knock him down our board. You know, like I, I think about like the Trubisky draft, that Trubisky somehow goes before, and Trubisky's not like, you know, completely immobile. Obviously he can move around, but I think he goes before Mahomes and Watson and kind of had more of that, you know, natural passer. The way I remember it had that in, in his, the way people talked about it. And now CJ Stroud's up there trying to defend himself and saying, no, I, I can create, I can be mobile, I can move around in the pocket, and, and I can make some things happen with my legs. That felt different. Plus just Anthony Richardson's candidacy for being a, the, the number one pick. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. If Anthony Richardson blew up the combine, I, I was tr- going through great quarterbacks in my head and trying to think of somebody – who had that kind of background as a college player where there's just nothing really notable as far as wins, as far as stats. Um, Tannehill. I said great quarterbacks. Well, but but what I'm saying is, you know, yeah. agreed. What a but, shot at Tannehill on this Monday but, but, morning. But Tannehill is one. When I think about quarterbacks that the combine elevated them based off uh, – let me give you the ones to your point, Joel – and I think Tannehill's been a fine quarterback. I know he's not a great quarterback, but he's, he's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trubisky. Trubisky's one that had a, a limited body of work, but the combine he threw accurately and everybody loved it. And, you know, he had a great body. And so Mahomes, quite frankly, I, I don't know that a lot of people knew a lot about Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. That was the first time I started hearing arm talent was at the combine. People were like, whoa, this guy threw like what? Like his, he has a weird throwing motion that, that's versatile. He's mobile. Um, you know, so Mahomes comes to mind, and then, quite frankly, Malik Willis would be the other one. Last year, remember he he was kind of the only quarterback out there. But after the combine, there was a lot of intrigue about him as to whether or not teams would move up. And you always have a quarterback or two that it's almost like people talk themselves into them at the combine. Yeah, and I think I think we're going to see for a while now. I think I don't think it's just going to be this year, but I think we're going to see a mahomes and josh allen effect on the draft for the next 10 years or so agreed um where people are going okay he's not accurate but josh allen fixed his accuracy or you know in the case of mahomes mahomes had great numbers in terms of you know 41 touchdowns i think one year and 30 the other one um but everyone kind of discounted that because of the offense but he, he did have the great numbers he didn't have the wins and I think that that's probably going to happen where you're just looking for, you know, the physical gifts and you don't care as much about that stuff. Um, the thing with Richardson that sticks out is that, like, even even with Allen and Mahomes, at least they were two-year starters. You know, Richardson's just a one-year starter. Um, I, I saw people keep comparing him to Cam Newton, and uh, I get the physical comparison, but in terms of what they did in college, Cam faced all essentially all of the same issues that that Richardson faced at Florida and he drug an eight what should have been an eight win team to the national championship mm-hmm. you know it's just different it's a different catalyst it's so much projection with Richardson that I felt like that's just a he's, he's almost a unicorn in terms of where he where they're talking about him going and and what his his background is in terms of production Joel, last one, and thank you for the time here on this Monday morning. And this is a question that I know that you think about and you'll probably be asked a ton in the next month and a half. And honestly, if the Colts are doing their job, (laughs) you won't know the right answer to this question. So any gut feel, quarterback-wise, pick four, trade up, any sort of gut feel in reading 
tea leaves that you have for the Colts right now and what they'll do with that first-round pick? I I don't have a great gut feeling. I think there's a specific reason. Uh, Jake already kind of hit on this. But normally you kind of go, okay, we know what Chris Ballard likes. We know what – in the past we'd say we know what Frank Reich likes. We can have an idea of what the quarterback is. I don't think we actually know – what Shane Steichen wants in terms of a prototype. Because the three quarterbacks he's had have been very, very different quarterbacks. Totally. And the stuff he, I, I mean, he says accuracy, he says, um, you know, decision making ability, he says, you know, ability to create. Okay. That's 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 three things. The obsessiveness. That's another one. But then he also said, "I think you can teach accuracy in some cases." And when he talked about accuracy, he said, "Can you make the throw when someone's bearing down on you?" So he left a little wiggle room in like what he thinks about accuracy. There, he's he's sort of the wild card in this. That's hard for me to know. I don't think we actually know what Shane Steichen's prototype is, and he's inevitably going to play a significant role in this decision. He has to. I mean, he's the one designing the offense for the guy, and the guy, the one working with him in season on a day-in, day-out basis. I think that's what makes it the hardest for me is even after all the stuff we've asked him about quarterbacks, after all the stuff he said, I, I don't really know exactly. Well, Joe, what you know what I think is great? He wants. I, what I would be in, in, encouraged by if I'm a Colts fan, I don't know that Shane Steichen knows that. I think it's entirely possible that Shane Steichen's like, I don't know, man, I'm just a coach that can work with quarterbacks. So give me what you want me to work with, and I'll work with it. Now, yeah. obviously now, for the first time, he's going to have a hell of a lot more say in who that's going to be, and that's valuable, don't get me wrong, and that's to his advantage. But my point being, to this point, I don't know that Shane Steichen ever was able to make that determination. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think I think there is a part of Shane Steichen that's like, I think he's maybe, every coach says they tailor the offense to the quarterback. Some do a better job of it than others. Uh, some of them, some of them say they do it and then they don't do it all. Um, I think the Chicago Bears have been through some of those. Um, but it really does seem like Shane Steichen, as an offensive mind, is a complete chameleon. He 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 really cares only about doing whatever is best for the quarterback. And I think that's probably the thing I would be most interested in and encouraged by if I'm a Colts fan. That. Whatever, whatever the whichever guy they end up picking, the, the head coach is going to do whatever it takes to make that guy feel comfortable. Yeah, I think I tweeted out last week, Joel. Like, if you're a Colts fan right now, I don't know how you can't be excited every time you hear Shane Steichen talk about his offensive approach, just his open mindedness, the modern you know nature to it, the the throwing to score, all of that is very encouraging. And to your point, a lot of coaches say that, but I think his history has shown that he is. His actions lead to that as well, which stubbornness, I, I don't get that as a word that Shane Steichen kind of lives by with his approach offensively. Joel, thanks, man. I know it's a busy week, kind of, well, I guess a little bit of decompressing from the combine, but certainly getting ready for the start of free agency here in a little bit over a week. So thanks, man. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Anytime, as always, guys. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic going to join us in a few tonight over Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Pacers and Sixers, 6.30, our coverage begins here. With that win yesterday over Chicago, Indiana now the first team outside of the play-in. They are a game and a half behind Washington. I think the Pacers in the play-in game as the 10 seed would frighten a lot of the fan base. Uh, time for a tankathon, real quick. Shall we see? The more you win, the less the tankathon. I know comes into play. But here we go. Where are they in the original? Like right now, where are they? Well, I don't know. I already hit it. Oh, reset it. Fire it up. Are you sure? <laughs> right now, they're eleventh in the East. So that's got to put them what, like eighth, something like that, seventh. Uh, they are seventh. You ready? Let's do it. With the second pick in the 2023 NBA Tankathon draft, the Indiana Pacers select Scoot Henderson from the NBA G League. The Orlando Magic are on the clock. Then after that, they have... Uh, keep in mind, the Pacers have a plethora of picks in the first round. Uh, Colby Jones out of Xavier, they would take 26th. And Bilal Kulibi, international player, who's 6'6", at 28th overall. Then they have the 31st pick, Dylan Mitchell out of Texas. The latest mock drafts, by the way, see, this can't be right. Because this has... Well, now they have Jalen hood Shafino down to 29th. He is not going to last 29th, I'm telling you. Jalen hood Shafino is going to be a top 20 pick. Yeah, Allen goes, the players don't want to tank. I don't want them to tank either. Of course, I mean, no one I think is ever saying that the players want to tank or Rick Carlisle wants to tank. But um, you consider this team's record when Tyrese Halliburton is off the floor. It's just another reminder to me of you need a major, major piece to go along with really a nice core that you have, I don't think getting to the nine seed in the play-in and losing that or possibly even getting in the first round and losing that in four or five games would do a whole lot for you. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Ziggers Hotline, as he's been kind enough to do each week, you can read his work at The Athletic. Bob Kravitz coming off of the NFL Combine, so we will begin there with you, Bob. Do you feel like for the Colts or the NFL in general, after now the quarterback in particular workouts – uh, I'll ask you the same thing I asked Joel. Do you think things have kind of become more clear for Indianapolis in terms of whatever vision they may have, or did things become even more cloudy after seeing four quarterbacks that all look pretty good? Yeah, I think it tends to clarify things. It tends to confirm your 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 biases going in. Um, I, I think they're all they're all waiting until March 23rd down in Tuscaloosa to see what. Uh, you know, see what Bryce Young looks like uh, besides short. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that, I should quickly add. But, uh, no, I, I think, I think you know, you, you watch the tape of these guys for years and years, or for, for months and months, and you know what they're about. You know, I mean, Will Levis looked really impressive, and he's got the big pipes and the whole thing. And, you know, but but, but can he stare down a blitz? Can he keep his eyes downfield while he's got people in his face? And that's something he didn't do particularly well at Kentucky last year. So, 
I think they went in with some ideas from watching tape, watching film, and uh, I think it all comes down to what happens on March 23rd in Alabama. Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, major, major kudos to one of your latest pieces in the Eminem lyrics. Um, I didn't know that you had that in you. That was outstanding. For those that... I am a man of many talents. Yeah, and again... Hand raised for me not acknowledging that and, and, and knowing that, that you could pull that out. Uh, for those that did not read the piece, I encourage everyone to. Um, but the analogy you were going there for the old one shot, one opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And all right, you want to know why uh, why I used it? Because my wife and I were watching TV the other night, and Eight Mile came on. <laughs> A great movie. A great movie. I've seen it like three times, and. It just got got me thinking. This is their one shot at it, presumably, unless they want to be like the Jaguars or the Jets and be picking at the top every every single year. And I thought, well, that's appropriate. And the most important thing is, it made Zach and James laugh. <laughs> so that that was that was the whole thing behind that. Do you think there's any, and when I say any, I guess I'm talking Jim Mercer, Chris Bauer. Do you think there's any thought of them of saying, hey, we're going to say it for it's too rich to trade up, and if the quarterback's not there, we'll just take the best non-quarterback, and maybe we'll struggle next season, and we'll be right up there again, and that's our opportunity to uh, to take the guy. I think if Chris Ballard was in his first or second year, that might be a possibility. Excuse my voice, it's morning voice. But uh, uh, the fact that Chris Ballard needs to win and needs to win soon, I, I, I think there's no way. And I think that people people would go to West 56 with pitchforks and and and, and you know all kinds of uh, all kinds of things, and it would get a little ugly. So no, I see no way they they go and grab somebody else and um, and, and wait till next wait till Caleb Williams or the May kid comes out next year. Bob, I guess the million-dollar question becomes, are the Colts convinced this is a draft with four great quarterbacks in it because they need no. to take a quarterback? Or the quarterback, or are the Colts deciding that they need to take a quarterback because this is a draft with four great quarterbacks? Well, I think there are four very good quarterbacks, and they all have, they all have issues. You know, Levis... Um, you know, you don't know about his pocket awareness. Richardson, you don't know anything except he's a great athlete. And we knew that he was going to blow up the, here at the Underwear Olympics. Um, you know, you know you know what all these guys bring. I'll tell you the guy who impressed me most, and not because of his throwing, but just based on, on the way he handled the situation, you know, in the press conference, was C.J. Stroud. I thought... You know, I, I realize it means nothing. It's not predictive. But <clears throat> that guy's going to be the face of your franchise, right? You want him to be able to handle, you know, media. And that's one of the reasons why Chris Ballard told me a couple of days earlier that he watches those interviews and tries to glean some information from that. So uh, I thought C.J. Stroud was very impressive in that sense. But again, let's see what happens when they do their due diligence and get down to Tuscaloosa and take a look at uh, take a look at uh, Bryce Young. Yeah, no shortage of confidence from C.J. Stroud at all at the podium on Friday. 
um, down at the convention center. Again, Bob Kravitz from The Athletic with us. Uh, Bob, it's a question that I asked you probably a month ago, a month and a half ago, and at the time, you said Indiana. And I'll ask you it again with the Big Ten tournament here. Um, Purdue or Indiana, who do you expect to make a deeper run in the NCAA tournament? I still think I still think Indiana for a simple math equation, and I'm not good at math, but Purdue's got one pro, and Indiana's got two. And I just heard you uh, during the when I was waiting uh, talk about Huchifino at 29. There ain't no way he's a 15 to 20 guy. Totally agree. Uh, and and at, at worst. And, and here's the thing, Bob. I think you just said it there. I his. At this point, Hood Shafino, especially this year, this is a from an NBA standpoint. Now we're talking not NFL. From an NBA standpoint, it is a very top-heavy draft in the top three, and then interchangeable from four to like fifteen. And Hood Shafino, so to me, Hood Shafino right now is probably capped at fifteen to twenty with opportunity here through the workouts and everything else to move himself into like probably early teens, right? Well, you know, you look at guys like Mike Conley, who you know weren't weren't going to be high draft choices or, or or drafted at all, who went nuts in the NCAA tournament and put themselves in a position to get picked uh, pretty high. So, I, I still think he's got some work to do, but he he you know he's going to get drafted. There's no doubt that was his last game at Assembly Hall, and you know I, I hope people appreciated what he what kind of player he was. While he was here, and I think he's going to be—he's going to be the difference between uh, between Indiana and Purdue uh, advancing. Now, I realize that you know Purdue has struggled here in the last month. IU came perilously close to losing two straight home games to finish out the Big Ten season, almost blew their chance at a double bye, but they got it done. Trace Jackson Davis uh, is just so impressive and if I can toot my own horn I've got a big Trace Jackson Davis story going in the athletic I think either Tuesday or Wednesday with some stuff that maybe you didn't know about him previously any Eminem lyrics in that no Kendrick Lamar oh wow look at this Bob just incredible Uh, boy the more you can do Bob Kravitz uh, is with us here (laughs) from the athletic Uh, on the IU Purdue front Bob um you know, Purdue was not picked to finish top four of the Big Ten. They win the conference by three games. That is rather historic, really, when you think about it. It's one of the youngest teams in major college basketball. Um, how much will the rest of March, or should the rest of March, shape how we view this Purdue season? I don't think that it should, but they, they've raised expectations. Um, and, you know, Purdue fans, one thing I... I learned about in my 20-something years here in uh, Indy is that they're, they're always waiting for the other shoe to fall. They're always waiting for somebody to get hurt or for them to come face-to-face with a crazy hot St. Peter's team. Uh, and, look, the history is the history. But, look, I, I think they're – you know, this is cliche, but I think uh, they're playing with house money in a lot of ways. This is a team that was picked, I think, what, sixth in the Big Ten – uh, this year, to do what they did was utterly remarkable. And in any other year, Matt Painter would be coach of the year in the conference yet again, but he won't be because of what Chris Collins has done at Northwestern. Yeah, and that, Bob, I'm curious if Chris Collins is 
Does Chris Collins look at Northwestern and say, I could make this another Duke? I'm not saying that they're going to win titles all the time, but, you know, that I can succeed here and, and become comfortable here? Or is he still thinking of Northwestern as a springboard job, in your opinion? You know, I, I honestly have never had that conversation with him. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, you look at, at the football coach, Fitzgerald. You know, that was a team that was horrible for years until uh, – uh, you know, until that uh, in the mid '90s when they went to the went to the Rose Bowl with Gary Barnett. Um, but I, I, I think he might be a long timer there. Uh, but I, I don't really know. I'm just guessing. Okay. Lastly, for you, Bob, in the next month, better odds a month from now. Purdue is in the Final Four, or both Nick Foles and Matt Ryan are on the Colts roster. <laughs> There's no chance those two dudes are on the Colts roster. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take, I'll, I'll take all my chances with uh, Purdue in the Final Four. Look, if they get the right matchups, and if you can keep Edie out of foul trouble, and they start hitting their damn threes, which has been a bit of an issue, um, I think, I think they'll they'll be okay. But uh, yeah, there is no way Nick Foles and uh, Matt Ryan are still here. I don't know what what the technical aspects of that are you know how how much they'd have to pay uh certainly uh, matt ryan but you don't you don't want that guy you don't want either one of those guys anywhere near this franchise no chance he says kevin i, I think no better chance. better chance butler makes the final four this year okay. than nick Foles and matt ryan are on the colts roster in a month uh bob thank you Agreed. for the Bob, thank you as always uh, for the time on these Monday mornings from Eminem to Kendrick Lamar. We'll look uh, forward to the Trace Jackson Davis piece. I'll come up with a new rap group next week.